do not forget, go to merchmethod.com slash Tom Segura. That guy, Tom Segura, you've heard of him, maybe? Well, anyway, you go to merchmethod, M-E-R-C-H, method.com slash Tom Segura to get your new Dr. Drew After Dark t-shirts. Uh, love to see you all walking around with those shirts out there. We appreciate it very much being part of the community and supporting us and uh, build it out. Tell a friend. We do appreciate it. Now let's get into the show. Hi, I'm Dr. Drew, and this is Dr. Drew After Dark. Please be advised that Dr. Drew After Dark may contain sexually oriented content and be unsuitable for young children. Hey, and welcome to Dr. Drew After Dark. Uh, we appreciate you guys continuing to support us. Send in those voice messages at 818-253-1693. And of course, the emails at Dr. Drew After Dark, drdrewafterdark at gmail.com. And uh, give us also your suggestions, who you'd like to book on the show, you'd like to see me talk to, what kinds of, if there's other people, who, who else's wife's, uh, Bert Kreischer's wife, probably coming up, Nadav, is he, or has she already been aired? No, 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 she, uh, she's coming up, uh, yeah. or actually, yeah, she would have already been out by the time we recorded Oh, well, the, give me more suggestions on the last <laughs> Today, it's a great privilege to have Maz Jabrani in here. Hey, man, how are you? How are you? Good, Good to, to see you. Good to see you, too. Yeah. Ooh, applause from back, wow. back in the, the peanut gallery. This is fantastic. The sound booth likes me. So, um. Um, are you living out? You're living out here now. Yeah, I live in LA. Yeah, is that where you're from? I grew. I was born in Iran, and then I grew up in Northern California, and moved down to LA in uh, end of '93 to start a PhD program in political science at UCLA. Wow! And I dropped out the first year. Where, where'd you get your undergraduate from? Uh, UC Berkeley. So Crazy. It was, yeah, it was, it was poli sci and Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what was the discipline going to be what were you interested well in? you know again ha so having immigrant parents uh we they at, at a young age like in nine or ten i fell in love with what eddie murphy was doing i wanted to be eddie murphy right and i started doing plays in school and i love doing plays and i love being on stage but my immigrant parents you know oh i see no no lawyer doctor or engineer yes, your right dad, your dad yeah. no no yeah. Cannot, yeah. Cannot. yeah. I, i'm telling you my dad was like you know so my, my mom would say listen just be a lawyer and then do the jokes on the side <laughs> I thought, like, how does that work, you know? And, so uh, good, I like that. Yeah, all the time. And then my dad, my dad, uh, in all honesty, like my dad, like at one point he took me on a serious walk. He's like, son, um, I have mm. some bad news to break for you. Oh, I said, what is to, it? He goes, to break for you. Yeah. Not to break bad news, yeah. but to break it, for you. He's okay. like, uh, you, you cannot be in Hollywood. We are not Jewish. I was like, oh. what? He wasn't like anti-Semitic, but he honestly thought like he had to be Jewish. That's so funny. I was like, Dad, I just want to be a comedian. And and so anyway, that's why I went that route. Now, do you years. live uh, across the bridge? Is that where all the Iranian... Um, you mean in Northern California? Yeah. Yeah, it was in Marin. So yeah. Is that what's where all the Iranians live? Well, it, what's interesting is there was there was a handful of Iranians when I moved. We came at the like right before the revolution, late 78. Yeah. And I would tell the story. I go, you know, nobody knew the revolution was going to happen. Which is weird to me that, you, that, that this massive change occurred without people knowing. Because it. I think people thought that the Shah was going to uh, squash it again the way he had maybe in the past. So my father was on business in New York. And he sent for my uh, mom to bring my, me and my sister just for our two-week winter break. Mm. And I always say we, wow. we came for two weeks and we stayed for 40 years. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. It really Did, is. Was it upsetting to you at the time? You know, I'm a kid. As a kid, like I, I have young kids now and I was just talking about this today. Kids are so resilient, as yeah, you know. Yeah. So I think for me, the, what it was at first when we went to New York, so my father had been a successful businessman in Iran. So he had a lot of money. And uh, when we went to New York to meet him for his business trip, he was, he was staying in a suite at the Plaza Hotel 
across the street from FAO Schwartz. Oh, boy. So I'm a six-year-old kid. I'm like, oh, oh my God, yeah. the best toy store in the world is across oh, yeah. the street. I'm on and, break. And the other corner is the park. Yeah, the park's <laughs> the other corner. It's yeah. fantastic. So I, I think for me, I was like, this is, you know, I was having a blast. I was on vacation. We'd be, we'd be, we would order uh, um, strawberries and whipped cream from, <laughs> from, from uh, uh, you know, room service. We would, uh, I went to, my, my favorite color was the color orange. Yeah. Because in Iran, Canada Dry used to make a, like an orange Fanta type drink. Yeah. So kids just love the color orange. So my mom. Didn't would, go for the Fago? No, 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 no. Fago. No, just the orange. <laughs> and we went to, uh, um, we went to uh, Macy's and they had a Snoopy uh, ski hat, scarves, and gloves. This is middle of, you know, the winter in, in New York. Yeah, yeah. And they were uh, orange and white striped. And I, let, mm. I fell in love with that. So I'm, now I'm getting now scarves. You're I'm getting everything. Well, you're, this is the great, greatest thing ever happened to you. I loved it. And I was when like, did the axe come down? The, yeah, exactly. Well, the <laughs> axe came. Well, it, it did. But as a kid, it just was a continual like vacation at first because oh, really? we were in New York for a while and then things were getting worse in, in Iran. I have no idea really what's going on. Right. I mean, whatever I, you know, Ted Koppel was somebody who would be on the news, but I didn't know what, what that was about. Yeah. And then we moved, then, then it was, we tried to settle in New York and it was so cold that my mom said, no, let's get out of here. And we've got to remind ourselves that it's not like now when you can look on the internet, what's going on in Iran. You, you would get the five minute nightly news report and that's it. That's it. And, and I'm guessing my parents, even to this day, there's a lot of older Iranians who are like, when we go back, when, when, the, when we go back to home in our Iran, I'm like, it's been 40 years, man. You're in America. It's like, learn the language, you know? It's just, so you run into that a lot. And, uh, and um, yeah, we just, we just kept going. We went, we went to, we stayed in, uh, we went to Reno where my dad had a friend. Mm. And it was funny because my dad liked to gamble. So we'd be at the MGM Grand and then my mom would be like, you know, your father's thinking about buying the hotel. He was trying to buy hotels. Whoa. Yeah, it was crazy. And then, and then they would, because he'd gamble so much, they would give us these sweets. Oh yeah. So we're sitting again in the sweets, strawberry with whipped cream, having a blast. I mean, playing video games, you know, with the quarters they'd give you. You're the first comedian I've spoken to that had this charmed childhood. <laughs> it's like, why well, did you ever leave that childhood? Well, meanwhile though, there's a revolution going on in my hey, country. Who cares? Where, you got strawberry yeah. whipped cream. Yeah, exactly. But, but eventually we ended up settling in Northern California. And what was interesting was up there, there was a handful of Iranians. Are you uh, still close to any of them? Because I know a few down here now that um, were from there. Yeah, there's a, there's a few that I'm still, you know, relatively close to. Uh, some of my closest friends from there. I mean, listen, that, that's a thing that was different from L.A. L.A. has the biggest population of Iranians outside of Iran. Other than Newport Beach. Uh, well, you know what I'm saying, Southern yeah. California. <laughs> right. But I, I did not, um, I was not used to seeing so many Iranians. So in Northern California, if you ran into an Iranian, oh. it was kind of a cool event. Oh, oh, And you'd be like, are you Iranian? And be like, yes, I'm Iranian. Oh, oh now there's God. big events and things, well, and festivals and yeah, all kinds we, of stuff. No, no. But back then it was like, I, I went to like a deli a few, like there was a, like a deli that was owned by a Persian dude. And when he found out I was Iranian, he like tried to give me a free cookie. He's like, have a cookie, have a cookie. And my buddy Mark was like, bro, you keep getting free stuff. I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's, you know, we're, we're homeboys. Brotherhood. Yeah, but then you come down to L.A. and you run into an Iranian. You're like, are you Iranian? And the guy's like, yeah, so is everybody else. This is Westwood, dude. And then there's Iranian Jews and Iranian, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's all oh, kinds yeah, of yeah. subsets of Iranians. Yeah, <laughs> Armenians over near where you are. and all, Yeah, yeah, it's all over the place. Is that, Armenians totally different. Well, there's Iranian Armenians, you there see. There are? Oh, yes. I had no idea. Dude, whenever I do the Pasadena Ice House, I get Iranian Armenians, but I also get like Lebanese Armenians and I get, oh. Armenians are some of my favorite audiences. Yeah. Because I feel like there's no judgment. They just come and have a, they just want to have a good time. Oh, yeah. They're good with humor. Oh, they're good with yeah, humor. Yeah. yeah. So whenever I do the I, Ice House. I, be I believe seriously they're the lost tribe of Israel. 
I believe yeah. that seriously. The, yeah. the humor, the in and out of the language, yeah. their relationship with the clergy, the everything about it is exactly the same. Just kind of went in another well, direction. Let me tell you something, man. I, whether it's like my my you know Arab friends, Jewish friends, Armenian friends, Iranian, like I feel whenever I'm in these communities, I'm like, wow, there's so much like my experience. That's why as a comedian. I stopped saying like my Iranian parents do this. My Iranian, par I started saying my immigrant parents do this. Immigrant because it, it is common. Nigerian immigrants are having this experience right now. Yeah, and Chinese immigrants are having this experience, yeah. and Vietnamese immigrants are having yes. this experience. And it, that's something that has been documented. It takes about three generations for you to hit. Are you the third? Or your, I was, your kids. Well, well, yeah. So I was. So what was interesting was coming out of. So I should be a doctor or a lawyer because right. really you that, fucked up. Totally, I fucked up big yeah, time because. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, cause they because you know, usually these parents come and they go, we got you to this country. Yeah. You know, we worked hard. Now you do something reputable and respectable. Uh, and it's always delay gratification, yes. special purpose. Yes. Yeah. Then you're doing it for the rest of the ones we left behind and all dude, the, you're representing here. Dude, this, this, this term of like the community that yeah. I had this, I had in my mind, like, like they would, they had in me, like people will talk, like, you know, the community <laughs> will talk. Who is this community and why are they talking? There are five Iranians up in Iran. I'm telling you. <laughs> so. I, I, I actually say, like, I do it in my act now. I say, you know, I feel like when I did this, I uh, when I decided to be a stand-up and left that other route, yeah. I, I feel like I had to rebel against my dad. I rebelled against my mom, and I rebelled against the community. And I feel like I heard them talking, saying, like, did you hear about Jobrani's son? He is almost a drug dealer. <laughs> you know? That's how they saw this shit. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of a, I'm a third-generation immigrant, too. Yeah. And uh, what, what are your, what's your background? Belarus, Ukrainian, oh, yeah. and yeah. just full. You're doing it for the for everybody. Because you hear, the, listen, we have a term called the American dream. There's yeah. no something called the Russian dream or the Iranian <laughs> dream. There's no other dreams. Right. Only in America can you have a dream. And when a Russian is here, he is having the American dream He's or else. Yeah. And when yeah. your parents bring you here, they go, no, yeah. we don't have dreams. Yeah. You do my dream <laughs> right. and then your kids can do your dream. Right. <laughs> that's what it is that's true that's right? really funny yeah it's very funny yeah um was there a trauma growing up or anything or you know my trauma i think like a lot of my stuff was uh, so uh, you know first of all i love psychology i, I studied mm. political science but mm. if i could go back to college i would definitely study psychology because mm -hmm. i love looking at stuff and going why do i do that well there's a relationship between political science and psychology too right absolutely i know a lot of political scientists don't like to look at that but it's it's there you can't you can't ignore it no absolutely and and i just i think and and, and also there's a relationship between uh, stand-up comedy and psychology for sure i mean i say this on stage and i go this happened because but when i was in the fourth grade there was the, the hostage crisis was happening and back then they would call you a fucking iranian that's what they would call you. And a lot of my friends would get beaten up. I didn't get beaten up, but I would get called fucking Iranian. And I remember there was these, uh, I was in the fourth grade, there was these sixth graders, you, they would call you fucking Iranian. And then one day, the, these kids stole my pedals and I don't, my, from my bike. And I don't know why, they just took the pedals. And there was this, and there was this black kid, and, I, and I've turned this into to the, to the act, there was a black kid in the fifth grade. And he kind of like talked to me and like, you know, like helped me deal with it. And in the act, I say, he put his, and he didn't, these aren't the words, but I said, he put his arm around me. He said, let's take a walk, buddy. Listen, I've been dealing with this shit for 200 years. Yeah, right. You know, you either got to see a therapist or become a comedian. <laughs> That's it. And I became a comedian, man. And so I feel like I do work a lot of that stuff out, you know? So the trauma might've been some of that stuff. Some of the trauma might've been being a foreign kid in a new land and not like, like trying to Did blend you speak in English. I speak, so yeah. I, I went to an English speaking school yeah. in Iran. Yeah, so yeah. they taught us English and, and Persian. Um, but what was interesting, I've actually in my analyzing myself, I remember I used to go shopping with my mom and she would get 
one cart just filled with the foods that we need. And then I would get a, another cart just filled with junk food. Mm, of course. And it wasn't like it is now. Like yeah. parents didn't know or care. Right. So like I had Twinkies. Like Twinkies was my welcome to America. You know, I was like, what a country. You get to eat the top and then lick the cream. Come on. So I was like, I was, uh, I would take, so then what would happen is I'd go to lunch sometimes and I would have my sandwich with my drink and some snacks. And then I'd have another bag just filled with snacks. Oh, wow. And I'd be handing out Starbursts at lunch. Oh, sure. And I, I was like, wait a minute. I learned, I learned to bribe my way into friendships. Yep, yep. Right. I also love being funny, like, you know, just telling jokes and stuff. And I guess part of that might've been because I used to watch the shit out of cartoons. Because my parents... Which cartoons? Are you know, Woody Woodpecker, Popeye, Bugs Bunny, all so those. classic. The ones that used to be in movie theaters. Yeah, like early 80s, I'm yeah. there and like that's what's on and I'm watching and my parents don't. Like, again, like nowadays, they're like, oh, you know, you've had enough screen time. Right, my right. parents were like, more screen time. <laughs> you know, they were like, go learn more English. You know, so... I would learn from those guys. I think I try to be funny. And then the other thing, I was a pretty good athlete. So I think those three things helped me cope with like finding friends and feeling like I fit in. What was your sport? Uh, soccer was definitely my yeah. sport. So fish out of water is sort of the trauma for you. Is that? Is there's, that? there's some of that. And then the other trauma, the other trauma, again, looking back on it, was my mother and father did not have a good relationship. Uh. Yeah. So my father, looking back on all this stuff, he's passed away since, but my dad was like larger than life. He was super charismatic. He'd walk into a room and just like own the room. And to the kids... He was like, we were, you know, he used to use, use an expression, you're the light of my eyes, mm -hmm. you know? So we were like, we could do no wrong. Mm -hmm. And he was super generous with us. And he would like, again, he reminds me of the character, the, the God, the Michael Corleone, the, the um, uh, Vito Corleone character in, in Godfather, the, the actual Godfather. The Godfather, yeah. Because people would come to my dad with their problems and he would help them. Like, uh. they'd be like, you know, I don't have any money. My dad would be like, here, you know, here's $10,000. Don't worry, pay me back whenever you want. Ooh. That's the kind. And I thought, at first I thought it was just stories he was telling until friends of his would tell me later they'd be like if it weren't for your father i couldn't have left iran like when called, he died a whole bunch they would show up people were telling yeah. me stories here and yeah. there so he was super generous and i think that helped me learn to be generous in my life so that's i the starbursts the, the, that's the starburst <laughs> exactly he had cash i had starburst you know what i'm saying uh, but on the other hand like with my but mom, not the twinkies twinkies weren't going anywhere the, well that was also by the way that's the addiction side right because yeah. he was he was and he would drink and he was a functioning alcoholic well the other thing that I, you you as you were describing him i thought oh, iranian alcoholic opium yes and that came into play at like a lot of opium smoking oh yeah iranian yeah population. and it was started Strictly less that that a that that time yeah so it used to be just like but, for social and then it became know, more but if, but if he's got the gene oh yeah that will get into the relationship with mom and that might be what always you were didn't know at the time but that might have been the whole thing absolutely there was a lot of that stuff and so the and big hookahs with the opium going oh stuff, yeah well right? the thing they do is they would get these like little they get a, this little um like uh, a grill and then they would get the and the opium is like this brown like it looks Square. like a Rolo. It looks like a Rolo yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And they would put it on this like weird looking pipe with a ceramic yep. pipe. And then they would heat, they would light it with uh, charcoal and they would smoke it. Yeah. And we would see it as kids. No, they, they, there was a end of evening. Yeah. Social activity. We're going to chill. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the joint. We have joints. Yeah. They had opium. Yeah. 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 That's, that should be the name of the I book. I never found out what, <laughs> where they got it. There must have been a really close community, again, well, sort of source. You know, I mean, uh, obviously in Iran, they got it from uh, no, but Afghanistan. Yeah, but I'm though. guessing, I think they would just bring it and they would find ways it was to... always around. It's interesting. All, you know, again, but the domestic abuse and stuff, uh, every Iranian situation I've seen where there's domestic abuse, opium always figures into it. I'm sure. They're, they're irritable. They're coming off during the day. Yes. They realize it and they take it out of them. Yeah, absolutely. And my father, you know, my father's story was interesting because... He was the oldest son 
in a big family and his father died at, died at a young age. And mm -hmm. I think his father had both um, alcohol problems as well as gambling problems. Mm -hmm. um, so my dad, and again, in our culture, you're the man of the house. So my dad became the man of the house of, at a young age. So, so He was the oldest son? He was the oldest yeah, son. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of pressure was put on him. Mm -hmm. And I think the way he used to cope with it back in the day was like, he's in Iran now. Like he left, he was from Northern Iran, this place called Tabriz, and he went to Tehran and started working and then brought his family there and then became successful and provided for everybody. And so I think that the way he would, you know, let loose is be drinking with his buddies. Mm -hmm. I remember as a kid, like in, when I was in, you know, junior high school, he'd have his buddies over and they would get those vodka bottles with the handle, you know, the big ones that have the handle. Mm -hmm. And they would just have one of those out and they would have like Persian food and they would sit there for like four or five hours just drinking, sipping th throughout the day and just telling old stories. We come and go and they're still there and they're having a good time, as you said, and probably later that night, probably upset at my mom or mm -hmm. whatever it is. And they would fight and, you know, like hear my dad hitting my mom. Oh, hitting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. That, that's traumatic. Yeah. It was traumatic. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I, I remember being a kid and it would affect me in a, in a very, like, like, I think when you see that in life, you either go, you either emulate it or you go the exact opposite. I hate any kind of violence, even like whether it's physical one-on-one -on -one or if it's war how do you make that switch any sense of what the magic I, is of that moment because it really happens one way or the other There's i like think a, for me it was a lot of like i love my father but my mom like you know i was spending time with her and she probably taught me early like you got to respect women never hit a woman like she probably said that kind of stuff she set it up yeah and so i remember i remember i would like if I, may, if I upset my mom she would give me the silent treatment i mean you may as well have just put a arrow through my heart I mean, and I think about that now, like that's like, that's almost child abuse now. Cause I was like five years old, be like, mom, she's like ignoring me. I'm like, mom, <laughs> like she just, I mean, I was like, it was terrible, but you we know. Actually, we actually do that as a stress inducing experiment for kids. It's called a still face. Yeah. Where the mom just has a still face. Yeah. We see what the kids do for like a minute. Yeah. And yeah. Then, and then no. Restore it. Yeah. No, no. She would. So now, by the way, she uh, would hit us sometimes, but mm -hmm. like, it wasn't like mommy dearest, like with mm -hmm. an iron or something. Like she used to like, you know, pull our ears or like, she would like hit you with like, Twe uh, she'd tweak you. Yeah. A little. Yeah. It, but my father never hit us. Were you too close to your mom? Um, I was just, I think I've always had this, if my father had it with his mother, like if there was anyone that could, besides his kid, kids, the only other person that really had any kind of power over my dad was, was his mom. Uh. And I think with my mom too, I have like such a love and respect for her that I just, uh, we're, yeah. We're going to examine, not just yet, gentlemen, but we're going to examine, what, do you want to do it now? Uh, we could wait. I feel Let's like wait a minute. Let's yeah. wait a minute. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to show you a video of, of some other Iranian relationship with okay. mom and see, okay. if, see if it fits your profile. Yeah. Well, you know, I know, listen, there's, there's, I, I know some, again, it's a culture, it's almost like a, the Mediterranean macho culture, like, don't talk about my mother, I'll kill you, you mm -hmm. know? I'm not that crazy, but I do love and respect my mom, and I do, I mean, there was, there was one time when she fought with my dad and she left when I was like in the sixth or seventh grade, so mm -hmm. at young adolescence, and I remember like crying and being sad that my mom's left and all sure. that stuff, so that was another uh, moment in my upbringing. And then the one time I remember, you know, you, you love both of them. And when they've, when they're going at it, it breaks your heart. And then, so by the time I was probably later in high school, I must've been like 10, 11th grade or something. And I, you know, I was exercising, getting bigger, lifting weights. It was one of the, it was the only time I remember where my dad was fighting with my mom and was like coming at her. 
and I got in the way and grabbed him. He was a pretty big guy. I grabbed him and I was very, you know, calm down. You know, it wasn't like, you know, I'll kill you. It wasn't no, any no, of that stuff. Let's bring it down. Yeah, yeah. So that those were definitely traumatic moments in my in my youth. What did you study? Did you did you stay at UCLA for a while, or did you? So I did poli sci, Cal under undergraduate uh, with the Italian. Then I went to UCLA and I did so. When I got in for poli sci, I was going to get my PhD in political science and be a professor. Did you study Italian history? No, just Ita the language. You just Italian. liked Italian language. Well, the, yeah. When I was an undergrad, I, um, I mean, uh, this might work as a cer certain kind of trauma as well. Being Iranian in America from the moment we got here has, was a struggle mm. because I say we're one of the only immigrant groups who came to this country and then suddenly we were the enemies. Right. But we were leaving this, the, you know, the country of the mullahs where we were uh, opposed to who they were. Right. But we come here and the hostage crisis happens. Now they're blaming us for the hostage crisis. Right. Now there's the Iran-Contra. Now there's the movie Not Without My Daughter. So there's all this stuff. So part of me, and also there, w there was no one on TV that I could look up to and be like, oh, that guy's cool. He's saving the day and he's Persian or Middle Eastern. So I started watching all the Italian films, kind of fell in love with this culture of the, Ital of the Italian culture. Because it, it felt close to me. I, I was, somebody educated me the other day that, that Italian, Italy is not really, I mean, it's an artificial country, really artificial. Right. I mean, there's regions that speak, the, the Italian that we know as Italian is not what's spoken all over Italy and yeah. there's parts that speak German and parts that speak French and yeah. there's parts that speak uh, Catalan and there's, it's yeah, different dialects all over and, the place. And, and Garibaldi just glued it all together and said, you're going to get along. Yeah. And, well, Iran is the same. Iran has many different uh, backgrounds. Like my father being from the north, they spoke a Turkish dialect. Wow. Then there's like the Arabs in another place and there's the Kurds. There's all kinds and again, like you said, the Shah kind of brought everyone together and said, we're all going to learn the Persian language and we're all going to, you know, have this common language. So again, like you said, in Italy, you're right. If I go down to the south, I, I studied in the north. If I go down to the south and they speak their dialect, I won't even know what they're saying. Different, literally different words. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially like Sicily and Naples and stuff. Completely yeah. different. Yeah. But I fell in love with that culture. So what happened was when I went to, uh, when I was at Cal, I took a class in Persian language because I can speak it, but mm -hmm. my reading and writing is not that strong because mm -hmm. I left in the first grade. Sure. And the problem was they didn't have something set up for someone who uh, doesn't, someone like me who spoke it but didn't read and write. They had either like basic, you don't do any of it, or right. they had like advanced, you do it all. Right. So I had to go in with the advanced people Oof. and they were kicking my ass. Yeah. And at the end, the teacher graded me compared to everybody else as opposed to saying, hey, you made some good progress. Yeah. So my grade suffered and I was like, well, this is kind of sucky. And I go, you know what? I've always wanted to, I, I tried French in high school. It was all right. I was like, I, I've always wanted to try Italian. Interesting. I go into the Italian class and the very first, first of all, this beautiful girl there walks you go. in. That's I sort of got done. Dude, <laughs> I was I like, somehow that was going to figure into the story. It was, she was Argentinian, by the way, but Whatever. that's fine. And then the, and then the teacher goes, because um, in Italian, when you say, hi, you know, what's your name? You say, come ti chiami. And it just bounced. I go, come ti chiami, mi chiamo Maz. And I was like, I, I love this language. Bro, it's, so, it's so musical. It's musical. And I learned it. I studied it for a year and a half. And then I studied, and then I went to Italy for a year in college and studied abroad. Where'd and it you was live? Uh, in Padova, uh, wow. which is Padua. Yeah. And it was maybe one of the best one best years of my life. Was comedy figuring into your head at that point? Or? No, you know, theater, every... So, so theater it, was. Yeah, so, so what I did was, so I wanted to be Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy got into SNL at the age of 19. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to get there before him. Oh. Yeah. When I told my parents that I even wanted to act, they were like, oh, hell no. You know, I swear to God, we would go... After the PhD. Yeah, no, listen, man, we, my, my parents would come to our plays and they would say, uh, first of all, let me tell you about the plays real quickly. So I think coming from this culture, this is another analysis of myself, coming from this culture where you respect your elders, you don't talk back. Yeah. 
I learned to just listen to whoever, what, you know, someone's an authority, right? So I go, I sign up for the musical in my seventh grade. It was seventh and eighth grade was our school. I get in the seventh grade musical. I think it was called The Boyfriend, if I'm not mistaken. I'm one of the background dancers. The director, her name was Shirley Bonbright. She goes, teacher. she was a director volunteering, right? She goes, listen, when you're doing a musical, you always got to be smiling and, you know, always smile when you sing, you know, (laughs) won't you Charleston with me? That was it, man. So... I came in one day for a <laughs> rehearsal and I go, uh, I go, hey, Miss Bombright, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm sick, but I came because you, you know, you told us to come and she goes, okay, great. So we start the rehearsal. I'm sick, but I'm up there going, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> she stops the whole thing. She goes, stop, everybody stop. She goes, look at him, look at him. He's sick and he's singing and he's dancing and he's smiling. You all should learn from him. And I was like, who, me? I was like, this is great. And in analyzing later, I realized I come from this culture where they say, listen to Miss Bonbright, whereas oh. all my American friends were like, fuck Miss Bonbright. You know what I'm saying? So that helped so me. So the rest of your life, you're listening to Miss Bonbright? I'm listening to Bonbright. I'm going to smile and make people happy. I'm telling you, man. So it was so then. Did you, did you get hooked at any point to comedy? Is there like, was well, there a that, moment? Well, that was, yeah. so that was, that hooked me to the stage. Yeah. And that was like, I want to do this. So yeah. then the eighth grade, I came back and I got the lead, Little Abner. Ooh. And my parents would come to the plays and then the, t- the director would be like, your son is really good. He's got the talent to do this. And my dad said, oh, great, great. And in the car, they'd be like, that bitch is crazy. You're not doing shit. So I, and then I went into high school. We had a great theater program. And at that point, I was like trying to do some stand-up, but I was a little chicken to do the stand-up. But I was just in that path. So it was almost like leading a double life because I was like, this is what I want to do. A lot of, a lot of people do that. Yeah, absolutely. They, they get hooked on comedy. You get hooked on it. Yeah, where, where was the hook though? Usually there's a moment. Well, the hook this. for me, it's just, it, I think it was probably in this, it was probably that moment with Miss Bombright saying you're doing the right thing and then when i'm on that stage and people are clapping for you uh, and you're singing and dancing and you're just like you're you know, doing miss bombright told you to do you're doing miss bombright <laughs> too but it's getting laughs you know what i'm saying it's, it's fantastic and i'll be honest there was actually a, an embarrassing moment too again i talk about this in my stand-up but my family would come and they would be the most overdressed family <laughs> at the whole place because that's just what they do yeah when persians go out i mean it could be like they go be going for frozen yogurt yeah. they're putting on a three-piece suit yeah yeah and uh and they be and my i remember my aunt was there and i think she was wearing a mink coat i'm oh. like oh my god <laughs> you know it's a theater it's a theater yeah but meanwhile it's a it's a gym <laughs> at, at, in middle school and i swear to god and all the other parents because this is northern california so it's all like wealthy but like they have Hippie. khakis yeah, yeah. and blue button up uh. And all of a sudden, it, it was some musical. I forget what number it was. We did it, and it stops, and everyone's going clapping. Next thing you know, my aunt like stands up like a beacon oh. in the, bravo, bravo. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like, please, I don't know that's her. So I'm like, funny. sit down. So, Well, that's, that's a good moment to switch over to this clip I want to show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. So uh, some intro on this, Moz, is uh, I think you mentioned it earlier. Um, that Middle Eastern men kind of have a, a relationship with their parents, right? Yeah, a very, very, a very respectful relationship with yes. mom. Yes, and it right. can be very tight. Ooh, holy so, moly. Yeah, so Maz, I want you to weigh in on whether you think that this is something you see yourself acting And like are they Iranian? No, they're not. Uh, I don't no, think any li- of these people are Middle Latina, Eastern. Latina, but go on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think any of these people are Middle Eastern, but okay. I think we could all relate, right? All right, go for it. Let's see what happens. My mother and I share the same bed. I'm the little spoonish. She's the big We act alike, we dress alike. We're like twins. <laughs> After this, I'll really look like yeah. you. <laughs> we party together, club together. I feel like my mom should live her life now like she's in her 20s. Why shouldn't she do that? Okay. 
So, Maz, do you know any Persian women that kind of behave like this with their moms? You know, I don't. I, I they mean, don't. They don't do that with the girls. Yeah, I don't. You know, it, it's interesting. I I don't know this. This is very extreme. Like the people that are actually, you know, it's funny you say that. There, there was. You run into some moms that obviously they say, you know, are you the mom? I am the sister. You yeah, know, like yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. come on, you're the mom. Yeah. You know, I actually had that. I was doing. I was doing crowd work in Miami recently, and there was. There was this girl who was like 20 and then the lady that next to her looked relatively young but looked like the mom i go you're the mom she goes i'm the sister and then later in the show the 20 year old was like my mom and i was oh. like mom just relax <laughs> it's all right to be a mom you know exactly but i tell you what i do see uh some of in in our culture is the kid living in the house till he's like 35. Oh, that's very common. That's very common. That's not just Iranian. That's everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a now a american trend yeah yeah but but i think this is more about the mom trying to live through the daughter. Absolutely. And this yeah. is like, I mean, this is like sick, you know, obviously it's like, you know, I mean, I, extreme, you know, it's interesting because our, our culture says like live close, be close. You know, even a lot of people, I don't know how it is now in Iran, but I remember when I was younger, it was like relatives would be close to each other. They'd be constantly visiting with each other yeah. in each other's businesses. If you needed a loan, you'd go to a cousin, you wouldn't go to a bank. It was all that. Mm -hmm. Then you come to America, of course, and then you're like, wow, I haven't talked to a human being in six months because no one's around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's the other extreme. Yeah. So I feel like somewhere in the middle is right. There's a nice right. place to be where, right. you, you know, when there's some boundaries, but you have closeness also. Absolutely. And as a, you know, my kids are eight and 10 now. So I'm constantly trying to find ways to encourage them to be more independent because it's so easy to be a helicopter parent nowadays. I certainly don't want to be going to a club with my son when I'm... No. <laughs> I don't want that shit. Well, don't worry, Moz. There's a couple other activities that they do together, too. Uh oh Oh, my uh, God. Let's, yeah, let's see. Go, let's go through it. Oh, no. Oh, no. If the water is still hot, we will share the bath water. Oh, my God. If I could find a man version of Angelica, I would marry them in a heartbeat. <gasps> oh, my so gosh. I love it. She is the love of my life. That's wow. pretty healthy, right, Drew? No. No. What about it is not healthy? No boundaries. There's it's one ego mass. Everyone's responsible for everyone. If somebody, God forbid, has their own feelings, it's going to go bad. You know how this could be, you know, bad. you know, the, the, this could be very different if the, as she was leaving, she said, you know, we're, we're, we like to conserve water. So we use the same bathtub. Ah, that would make we're, sense. We're conservationists. Yes. And there's, we're looking for the same man. Uh, we conserve no. Does this keep going? Of course it does. Oh. Yeah, we have six more clips to show. Oh, my God. Christina right. lives five houses away from me. We meet for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Geez, you guys could shovel a little. And I wouldn't have it any other way. You guys are wearing the same sweater. Really? <laughs> so uh, she, they live five houses away from each other. That sounds like a dream come true, right, guys? That sounds like a pitch at a sitcom. Yeah, yeah. You go, <laughs> the mom lives five houses away, and we can't get rid of her. Right. What's with that giant crystal in the foreground there? That's what one of them's going to use to kill the other one. I think that's it. Yeah. If certainly if that stays there very long, it might be used <laughs> as a weapon. Right, by, the, by the way, if you are married to somebody else, like that's going to, that, that's not good for that relationship no, either. No, This is all bad. Go ahead. Oh yeah, we, uh, we, we meet some of their husbands in a bit. Oh my God. Sister is very obsessed with my mom. And my mom is very obsessed with my sister. You absolutely stalked me. You hired a private investigator to follow me. That's crazy. I have a right to know where you're at. 
all pretty healthy, right? Very Absolutely. healthy, perfectly normal, perfectly nice natural. A alone time, huh? Angelica made clear early in the relationship about her mother. Sometimes I do feel if Sun He wasn't in the picture, maybe things would be a little smoother. I have the strongest influence in her life. And without my blessing, I doubt it she'll take it to the next step with you. What do you think? Is this couple going to make it? Uh, no. She's, the mom's name is Sun He. He's going to be Sun Who. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be gone. Um, I have this, this very strong feeling that she's going to have to marry somebody gay. Yes. And this guy's not gay enough. Yeah, I agree with you. Because he was petting that dog kind of yeah. like, I could handle this for a little bit. Yeah. You know what would, if he, you know that whole thing of like, if you can't beat him, join him. Mm. If he started like doing the nails with, you know what I'm saying? If he was oh, like, yeah, let's go shopping. It. That's how it's going to work. That's how it's going to work. work. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. All right. I'm looking at you for guidance. I'm looking at you to say, oh, this is too much. This isn't what should be projected for a mom and a daughter. You don't think anything's wrong with it. You're crazy. Okay. This guy seems like the most normal. So oh, yeah. not just normal. That guy's the hero. That yeah. guy's, that guy's, yeah. This guy. Thank God for this guy. What's his name? I want to build a little shrine to him. Suge Knight. <laughs> no, it's it's over. I mean, with yeah, this guy, he's going to last. He's, oh. he's, he, or he's not going to last. One way or the other. Yeah, yeah. He's, no, he's going to put an end to this, or yeah. he's out. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Wow. I think I spend more time with my mom than my husband. You're just jealous because you can't be part of this. You're right. I'm dying to be hanging out with my mother all day. It really hurts my feelings when I feel like I'm completely out of the loop. Where will I fit in? Like, I don't know where I'm going to fit in. <laughs> Hold on. I got to pull the nails out of my eyeballs that oh I just my, stuck in there. Oh, my God. Wow. Those were two interesting ones. The first one with, like, the Italian guy, whatever that was, yeah, I yeah. feel like that guy's like, all right, you do you. I'm going to go bang some hookers. Right. Like, that's could, what, that's, he could have done easily that. That was that, yeah, right? That was that. Or he's gay. Or a little gay. Yeah. Or whatever he's into. Whatever he's he's going to yeah. go do it. Yeah. And now this is like, oof. Would you accept my love? Uh-oh. This is not right. What do you want me to do? Give it back? Yeah. That's like your dad. Yeah. It's your dad. You had a full career coming. Yeah. And this is said, not Sorry. right. Sorry. No, that bitch is crazy. You're going down to UCLA. Give the ring back to Hollywood. So. You will not marry Hollywood. You know what? I'm wondering, though, because obviously this is a, a reality show. And you're not Jewish, show. so how's it possible? I'm not, I, this not, I mean, it was a reality show. So I'm wondering, obviously, that moment was set up. Yes. And, and I just For wonder, sure. like, like, how did that play? Because she is either, or maybe she's that crazy. Maybe she's that crazy. Well, I, if you're doing, if you're a good producer, what yeah. you're going to do is you're going to coach that dude up and, uh, yeah, and, yeah. The, and you, the bride's going to catch wind of it some way. Yeah. Yeah. But mom could, it could be a surprise to her and yeah, that's really yeah. your beat, right? Yes. So yes. I think yeah. it was a surprise to her. Yeah, yeah. So, so Drew, so clearly, I mean, you know, this is a produced reality show. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, this is the real deal. Yeah. Right, no, definitely. Right. Shug Knight let me know this is <laughs> yeah. real. How, oh, yeah. how do people get here, Drew? Like how, how does a mother Oh, you poor, you here? poor dear sweet people that don't know how sick people can get. You just don't know. Yeah. It's a codependency, isn't it? It's, it's like a, it's an enmeshment that's called, uh, and and then the 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 child has gets all kinds of problems as a result. Yeah, either being feeling about fear of being swallowed up in a relationship, or seeking the enmeshment, or getting addicted to sex and other things. Yeah, it's it's this cycle of consumption and and pushing away. It's yeah. not good. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I read an article. I forget what her name was, but there's a lady who's she's got three daughters. 
One of them is the co-CEO of YouTube. Oh yeah, I heard about this. You hear about that? Yeah, the yeah. other one is the founder of 23andMe, and the third one is like a heart surgeon at UCSF. Short article, how to write successful, how to raise successful kids. How to raise successful yeah. kids. And, and one of the things she said was, she goes, at a young age, of course, she said, while we were living in uh, Geneva, so it's right. a much nicer right. youth. But she said, I used to let them go at four and five to go, go to the corner store to get stuff and come back. Yeah. And she goes, I called them, you know, I, we, we call each other by our first name or something. I forget what that part was, but mm, she great. basically gave them independent from a young age yeah. and you see these people who feel like they can go do stuff and and there was had had required them to do things too yeah right? there was consequences and yeah required and yeah earn things and and the genes were pretty good seems yeah like. yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah of course genes help too yeah so, <laughs> is there more or we have we had enough of that um that's it oh, with thank smothered. god thank god <laughs> thank but wow. thank you for bringing right. that to me I, yeah. it was, you're welcome did i send that to you uh, no, that was because you caught my eye too. I somehow I saw it online somewhere, and I was like, "Oh boy, yeah, it's a guess great, great show." Minds think alike. Yeah, we're yeah. all very excited to watch it. <laughs> now it's time for us to get back to the show. You were about to finish a, a story that I wrote down: Latino porn. Latino porn. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So I was saying when you showed me the when you when you showed the mom yeah. and the daughter next to each other, they look Latina. And I just remember at one point, like when you know VHS was still out. Somebody took a Latino porn because we didn't have we didn't have Iranian porn actors in America yet. Oh, I think we have them now. That's racist. Yeah, but ba I know. Talk about yeah. like you know tough industry to break into. <laughs> yeah, like, Dad, I want to do Hollywood. No, how about porno? Okay, you know it's like <laughs> no, but someone had taken a Latino porn and dubbed it over with a Persian you know dubbing. Yeah, but they weren't doing it to be funny. Like the actors were like speaking Persian and they were really like. You know, they were like, you know, they had to watch the thing and be like, oh, Majid, oh, oh yes, you know, oh, Fatima, you know, whatever it was. I remember the Iranians were happy. They're like, oh, we have a porno, finally. Yeah. So you didn't answer me yet, though. What yeah. did you, what was your sort of study in political science? What so poli sci, I was going to study. So when I went to get my PhD, I was going to study, um, basically, I was going to study the revolutions or terrorism those two things really interested me oh you still had a big big department with the terrorist stuff right yeah well the well the the you know i i did i used to do jokes about some of that stuff but before even september 11th i was just i was just really interested in not just middle eastern terrorism like you know i studied you know i was reading about for example um the red brigade in italy mm -hmm. where they kidnapped the president of italy in like the late 70s it was like 78 or 79 his name was aldo moro i mean, I mean imagine they 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 they, uh, they, they, I think they were leftists and they were communists or something. And they basically like killed the guy's security, took him, and then he was missing for several days. And then, and then finally they found him in the back of a trunk. They killed the president. Wow. I mean, that to me, it's just like that kind of stuff. When I see it, I go, wow, what gets someone to that point? Yeah. How do people, I just want to understand that stuff. And also like, for example, like the, um, is, uh, the Olympics, 72 Olympics with the Israeli team, like what gets people there. So it was very interesting to me, even these 19 guys, like I just watched that, uh, the, the Hulu show, uh, the, the looming, the looming tower. Did you see that one? I did not see it, but I know of it. And the book is interesting. It just talks about the buildup of Al Qaeda. And just like you sit there and you go, how do these people who were, you know, some of those hijackers were actually educated. They had stuff going on. How about the guys, where was the, they were the blew themselves up recently in, uh, where was it? They were like upper middle class, educated. Yes, yes. It was in uh, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. They're absolutely hitting kids on the head. Yeah, they went in and blew yeah. them all up. Like, it's Whoa. crazy. And it's and and now you see it in, too with like like the mass shootings we have. Like sometimes you go when you can't explain it, you go, why did that guy do what he's doing? Well, some these are all different things, but some of it now is we and we don't think enough about the power of belief systems. Yeah, belief systems can motivate people to do a lot of horrible things. Yeah, 
Yeah. And uh, we have to be serious about studying that, it seems to me. Absolutely. So I was very interested in that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the irony of it is... Fuck it, I'm going to do comedy. I'll do comedy. (laughs) Well, I was... I continue to be... uh, I I love comedy. By the way, when I was at UCLA studying that stuff, I would... uh, I I went and auditioned for the main stage play at UCLA. It was like their big, big play. So all the actors from the theater department were auditioning. Your dad must have loved it. Well, my dad, he was in Iran at the point. He went went back to Iran. But I went and auditioned and I got the part. Drove it back to Iran. You got out of here. Get out of here. Um, I got the part. So I was doing a play at UCLA and it was so artistic and it was so great and I felt so good and I felt alive again. So at night I would go do four hours of rehearsal. By day I'd go to class and then every time we're in any of our poli-sci classes, it would always come to um, what's our role as political scientists? And the teachers would say, listen, our role is to come up with a theory, you know, publish or perish, and you go around the world defending it. And if you're lucky, some politician might listen to you and use it for something. So it felt very kind of futile the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if it's publish or perish, I'm going to perish. I want out of this. Well, I like the idea, though, that you felt alive on stage. That's Absolutely. Pretty, that's a pretty compelling feeling. Oh, yeah. You can't. You oh. can't escape that. I love that. I, to this day, I mean, I was like hanging out with some comedians. Like, I just, I, I love being around my people. And I think, mm. first of all, the other thing I've, I've learned in, in kind of analyzing myself a little bit, eh. I think, I don't know, I, I won't call it ADD, but I do have like this attention span that kind of whenever I'm in a, whenever I'm in like a meeting or something, I start wandering. Mm-hmm. So when we have like our school has stuff for the parents, I mean, I listen to like 20% of it. The other 80%, I'm all over the place. I can't focus. I just get bored. Hmm. So I thought, wow, I picked a job where I have to talk for an hour on stage and pay attention and they got to pay attention also, to me. Yeah, make sure they don't wander. Yeah, make sure they don't wander. And yeah. I'm here, I'm doing, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm yeah. with you. Or if I'm acting, I did a job where, you know, I could be dilly-dallying and then they go, okay, here we go, action, and I'm on, right? Yeah. So that kind of, I think I, I ended up, well, you know. I saw you in something, were you in Curb Your Enthusiasm or something recently? I did, I did Curb a while back. They yeah. might have been running it again. I, was, Maybe I played started. the Indian Sikh, the season <laughs> when, uh, Larry goes to uh, New York to do the producers with David Schwimmer. Right. They end up in New York at a hotel and his air conditioning is not working. And I play the Indian Sikh oh and I have this like goofy looking turban on at the time. And uh, he doesn't tip me and then he gives me tickets to go to see his play. And <laughs> so that was, that was that. It was fun. It was a blast. Oh my God. That must be so much. Speaking of being alive, that must be like. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. Improving is, is so much fun. Especially like in that, like when I did that, I remember I, I did a take. And then I went over to the directors or whoever it was. I go, hey, guys, what, do you remember what I did last time? Because I just want to do it again. And then Jeff Garland was there. He's like, no, just do something different. And I go, you, I can do something different? Because as an actor, you're supposed to do the same thing over and over. Yeah. He goes, yeah, don't worry about it. We got that one. Do another one. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it's just you're just creating on the spot. And it's some of the most fun things in Especially the world. Especially with the people you're working with. Oh, it's so yeah. great, man. Yeah. So great. Well, speaking of great, we have a bunch of uh, emails and voicemails. Why don't we start with a voicemail? Let's try that for starters. Just so we can break break um, Maz's hymen here a little no bit. No problem. Yes. Coming right up. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Drew. This is Cody. I have Hi. a kind of two-part question for you. Mm-hmm. My friend with benefits that I'm messing around with has uh, ovarian cysts. Mm-hmm. And um, her doctor said she should probably be on birth control. Mm-hmm. But when she tried that, it completely murders all of her sex drive. Mm-hmm. She's like, this is no fun. So she went off it, and then she had one of them burst about a month ago. Mm. So it's pretty much just condoms. But now here's the two-parter. For some reason, I'm great, golden. I can do about three busts before I go soft, but as soon as you throw a condom on, just done. It's like dick kryptonite. Is there anything I can do about that? And is there any kind of birth control that she can take that won't let her cyst pop that won't kill her sex drive? See, these are good questions, right? (laughs) I like that. 
Would I address it at all? Did he I... say that, that she has a cyst? Is that what it Ovarian was? Ovarian cyst. Yeah. Oh, 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 I see, I see. So are, there's got to be condoms that are more sensitive. Aren't there some that he could try? He, you know, he, there's something for some guys, and he sounds like one of these guys that just taking the break even to put oh. the condom on, they can lose their, their mojo. I see. And so what we, Adam and I used to always tell people, it's like, you, you know, you, how, much, how many hours of video game do you play a week? You practice yeah. video game. This is important. Practice yeah. putting a condom on yeah. fast yeah. and maybe learn to masturbate with it so you get yeah. a sense of what it feels like yeah. and just practice that. She can tickle place. your butthole while you're doing it. Well, so, she yeah. doesn't have to be there. You can do it by yourself. I'm just whatever, saying. Whatever. That, that might help. God, thank God your dad's dead. <laughs> so, <it's>, so. <laughs> yeah, my dad's right now. What? You are a disgrace to the community. You should have been a doctor. So, you should have been a lawyer. So let me try to <laughs> iron this out a bit. Um, so that's the condom piece. The... Uh, the friends with benefit with the ovarian cyst that needs a birth control, it's the progesterone that kills the sex drive. So these very powerful progesterone agents, they're, they're more safe, they're very good, but they kill the sex drive and they cause vaginal drying and all kinds of stuff. So have her go back to the pill and talk to the doctor about something with estrogen, maybe a lot of estrogen, or maybe, or perhaps they use, eh, there's, there's other things the doctor can mess around with hormonally, but try a, a pill that's not so powerful on the progesterone side and maybe has some estrogen, and maybe that will do the trick. Let's hear another one. Hi, I'm Javante um, from Utah. I listen to the podcast all the time. I'm definitely a mommy. Uh, just had a quick question. My mom, I believe, is borderline. Mm. I've been going to therapy to try to fix. Um, I feel like I was a victim of, of, a, of a lot of what she's done, um, shutting out family and and pushing everyone to the side. And if I'm not on her side, then... right. I'm totally against her. Right. Uh, my brother committed suicide oh, a long time ago, and shortly after, she was saying that she was going to just to make everyone feel bad for her. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering how how can I deal with that? Mm. What should I love her from a distance, or um, what should I do? Okay. Thank you. Okay, buddy. Piss on All right. Beat me. Have a good day. Uh, I'll piss on your beat. You. You have to be around here more to understand that when part. he says borderline does that mean borderline like uh, bipolar depressive what no, it, no it's called borderline personality disorder oh, okay and, and it's a very chaotic women are more a little more calm with the borderline than men uh unregulated hostility not mm. so much unregulated aggression but unregulated hostility right black white thinking you're either all in or all out remember right. we said that she split it it's called splitting you split yeah. people against each other yeah preoccupations with abandonment, a lot of self-destruction, a lot of identity issue, a lot of suicidality. So she sort of has the, the syndrome. Yeah. Um, and he wants, you know, how do I deal with this? I mean, bottom line, you're getting therapy, stay in therapy. You need to stay for a while. Uh, you have to sort of, the, the levels of trauma that a borderline can sort of um, create for a, for a particular male child sometimes, you have to kind of work it through and it takes time. I will tell you that you'll know you're making progress when you start to feel bad for her and feel forgiveness for her and maybe even some gratitude for whatever positive she was, whomever she was, or whatever it is about living through this experience, what it taught you. So forgiveness and gratitude, when those feelings start to emerge, you know you're sort of on the right track. But it is therapy and you got to do it. You're doing it, so keep doing it. It's not, there's some, it's not like there's a recipe or some cognitive cocktail I can give you do this and do that and you'll right. feel so much better no, yeah. no it's rough it's rough all right let me let me switch gears again this yeah. is um kingston uh 24 years old appendix gallbladder removed every time i make brown 
Okay. Your mom's house. Yeah. I wipe completely clean. Sometimes use a wet wipe after and dry one after that. Within two hours, I feel itchiness in my bum and have to wipe three or four times again. This can't be avoided even I go even though I go shit to shower, which mm. is Christina's move. Okay. Shit and then shower. She showers don't, after every shit. Don't wipe. Just go shit to shower. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> wow. I'm so proud. Yeah. Uh, this can't be avoided <laughs> even if I go shit to shower. Even if, if I've never had anything inserted into my anus, sadly. This is a male or female? Male. Kingston, yeah, that's a male. Yeah, and I'm worried I'll have a leaky butthole forever. I'm poor, so seeing a doctor isn't going to happen. Can you help me? He's got a leaky butthole. He has a leaky butthole. Um, remember that uh, Rob and Big? Remember that show on MTV? No, I don't remember Rob and Big. Rob, no. uh, what's Rob's that does ridiculousness? Rob, uh, yeah, yeah. Deer Deck. Yeah. He had a show called Rob and Big before. Uh huh. And Big was big, uh -huh. a big African American gentleman. Right. Four and a half bills if he was an ounce. Okay. And he used to work on helicopters for the Air Force. Okay. And he'd have be out all day and have this problem. Oh no. So he invented there's big. Holy moly. That's big. That's big had been on a diet there. He had a leaky but he had to be on a helicopter? No, no, he was on the ground doing doing repair, oh, doing mechanical oh. over the helicopter. And he invented what he called the man pond. Oh. Which was a roll of toilet paper and he would just Necessity is the mother of all inventions. That's what I'm saying. So he used to put a whole toilet paper roll up the, up his butt. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. So and for this guy, you got to use... Well, it, now here's the thing about Kingston. He's had his gallbladder removed. That's un, for a 24-year-old. That means big dude. Usually. Yeah. Oh, so, I see. And the appendix and all this stuff. It's like makes me think this is another big guy. So you think another whole roll of toilet paper up the well, butt. Well, that's Big's solution, not yeah. mine. Uh -huh. Mine is lose some weight. Yes. Because the pressure of all that weight you oh, have pressure and yeah it pushes the, yeah. to the exit the leakage door. yeah yeah and um he's like the exxon valdez exxon valdez yeah you say it in Iran. we said valdez here valdez <laughs> sorry valdez i was trying to be latino Ex <laughs> he's like the ejon the ejon valdez the ejon valdez so yeah yeah of course and um bulk so metamucil lots of it lots of it Metamucil would, 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 would little, give him a little bulk to a little the, bulk to in the there. Stool. Oh, okay. yeah. Some okay. people, some goes the other way, but he might help him. Oh, poor I'm guy. an eight-year-old girl. I live in Salt Lake City. I have some questions that happened to me the other night. I was at the end of the night. I was almost done. I went back to my parking lot after work to take out a trash bag. I saw one of our coworkers jerking off. Obviously, I was startled. I just wanted to go away. So I said we would forget about it like it never happened. But now I'm not sure if I should keep it a secret. I think he was embarrassed. I mean, hopefully that's not like his thing. But either way, I don't want to get him fired. <laughs> this is someone my boyfriend and I are friends with. Hilarious. She hasn't really set it up. Is it, is it about her? <laughs> yeah, was she looking at you? Yeah, the, right. He's into women taking out trash? Right. Like, oh, we yeah. We work with him every day up till now. I really liked him. I'm mainly confused and don't know how to deal with it. Why was he doing it outside? That's actually being very, very considerate. Not I many like, people go outside and masturbate. I just love how women just cannot get their head around men and their craziness. But by, by the way, this is Utah. That's like the problem she's yeah. got in Utah. Yeah. Like, I mean, this, this is happening downtown LA but, right now, every block. But, but she goes on. She yes. makes oh, good more. sense here. We have a bathroom in the restaurant. There are cameras back there. Literally anyone could have seen him. Did he want to get caught? Which sort of uh, suggests he was into some sort of voyeuristic whatever. Uh -huh. Uh, I don't know if I should tell my boss or keep it to myself, but I can't act normal to him. I've seen him do this after I've seen after I've seen him doing the dark arts. So yeah, I mean, it's why is it such a way, dark art? My favorite email. I mean, uh, ma masturbation is healthy. I think 
Yeah, yeah, but doing it in a camera outdoors. Bathroom, good. Uh, camera on where you know, cod. Who it's knows? Part of the thrill for this guy, maybe, and that's not good. I would um, give him another chance. Wait, wait. She's 18 years old, by the yeah, way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy could have been 18, 19. They're yeah, friends, yeah, right? Yeah. You know how it is when you're 18 mm -hmm. or 19. You're getting hard-ons every two two minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, the need to masturbate is perfectly fine. Maybe he did it in the bathroom and was on his way to the car and started masturbating got again. Got struck with the, the, the I'm mood. I'm just saying. Well, Stop judging right. so you I'm, and your garbage-taking <laughs> self. You throw that garbage away. You mind your own business. Go ahead, so, Dr. So Drew. I, so I'm advocating the same. I'm advocating that she give him another break. Yes. See if he can contain himself. Uh, and, you know, if, if he starts doing stuff in public, it'll become, it'll become obvious. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll yeah, be of a course. thing. Men don't do things part-time. Yeah, if he you know comes I mean? to work with a trench coat, yeah. walk away. Get out of there. 23-year-old male, I've slept with my eyes open all my life. What the fuck is up with that? <laughs> can I damage them? Piss on me, beat me. Regards, Jacob. Hilarious. Um, no, you can dry your eyes out. Some people actually have to tape your eyes, their eyes shut at night. But if you're not having any symptoms, it's just damn creepy. Next voice message. Uh. Hey, Dr. Drew. So I'm in the market for getting a tattoo. And obviously, I know several people that have them. But I'm just a little bit scared with how it works relative to your health i suppose uh, tattoos detrimental i'd love to have some doctor's answer thank you okay not detrimental but if it's not a you want to be in states where they have pay some attention to the hygiene of these things you want them opening up sterilized equipment is it illegal in alabama i don't know okay but uh you worry about hepatitis c and that kind of stuff being transmitted but that's very rare in states that keep an eye on these things uh the ink itself is no big deal uh the pain is a big deal i, I don't understand sometimes why they don't use more of the topical anesthetics there's really good ones now yeah do you have any no. tattoos no neither do i no neither do i it does not interest me however i have this feeling that if i were like a young millennial i'd probably i'd just get swept into it yeah, I mean, like you said, the pain, but I guess if, you know, a, a friend of mine got it around our age and he said he just like, you know, had a couple glasses of tequila and was, you know, just resting and doing it and not looking at the guy while he was doing it. What'd he get? He, I forget what he got. He got some, whatever he got, it was just like. It's like a commitment. That's a commitment at, at later in life to be getting tattoos. Yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't like a big, like it wasn't the whole arm. No sleeve, no yeah, sleeve. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I, I could imagine I mean, if you're doing gonna do it. it, why not go all the way? I mean, because as you age, you get all these sun damage to your skin. Yeah. Why, why not just. Do the whole thing. Just, just do the whole thing. Healthy. Yeah. How about, uh, can they tattoo healthy looking arms on you? Oh. Huh? Yeah, just muscular definition. Tattoo biceps on me. <laughs> For the last few weeks, I have a problem with my yellow. Is this now a thing that we have brown and yellow? I mean, yeah. It's the first time I've heard that. I've heard white. Oh, yeah. That, that Bert, I think, came up with that. But yes, yeah, he did. Some, when you go to the bathroom, sometimes you're brown, sometimes okay. you're yellow. All right. right. I feel like I have to, uh, pretty much every day, all day, every day, I feel like I have to pee. Every time I go through, though, it just dribbles. Usually one of the times every day will be much longer, but the lead up to it doesn't feel any different. The pee doesn't burn. It's not painful. I just want to know why it constantly feels like I want to pee. Uh, it doesn't say if this is a male or female. So urgency, that is called. And uh, ur that urgency can be caused by lots of things. Um, prostatitis, bladder stones, urethral infections, urethral strictures. I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. So you ought to see a urologist about that. So yeah, you know, I've, been, I've had a thing where I pee a lot my whole life. And then recently I was peeing a lot more than I normally was. Uh-oh, diabetes. And, but I was smart. Well, I, actually a friend of mine said diabetes. I got tested for that. It wasn't that. I went to my urologist and he was just saying, one of the things they said was that 
uh, you know, like you said, it's like they said the bladder's healthy. I've got a small prostate and there's a slight blockage, not enough to cause yeah. a lot of pro- So, But I had them test it. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you have a... No, no, I scope? didn't do that. No, so what they did was they put this like um, this this little Velcro thing around my penis while I peed and it had a... It had like this tube that was connected to something that was... And then it would... And it would... Uh, it was like a, a blood pressure thing. It would mm-hmm. tighten as you're peeing mm-hmm. and then it would... And it was... You were peeing into this like big filtery thing yep. so it would go so in it was it's calculating flows that filter calculates flows exactly as, as the pressures are so they ultimately said listen you're fine right now and just like you know try playing with your diet a little bit maybe like i haven't Why had do you have a urologist well first of all it's one of my one of my best friends is a urologist okay that's why but secondly i went to my primary physician and said look i'm peeing uh, okay. a lot so, so that's what let me go see the urologist got it, got it, got it. and uh and um and then the other thing is because i i drink water all day long yeah me too and he said and he you know obviously it's, it's just basic right he goes just try drinking less towards the end of the night yeah. so you won't wake up as much and i've done it and it's actually helped yeah, a little bit shocking yeah and stop the coffee for now but i'm dying to get back to coffee i i i had, I had a reflux problem i had to stop my coffee for a while i missed it I know you're back on it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so not happy as for Not you. as much as I was, but... It, I miss it. It, it was... I, I could... Anything else, no problem. Yeah. Coffee, I It's missed. the ritual of it, too. I, yeah. I loved... I looked forward to waking up, and I didn't make yeah. my own. I like to go to coffee shops. Yeah, I like that, too. Yeah. Everything about it. I like everything... And, and by the way, sometimes I get annoyed because I, I would go to the same coffee shop, and then people that I knew would keep, like... Like, I'd be trying to get through my day, but these people I've run into, you know, acquaintances. Yeah. And then they just start talking to you. Oh. And you're like, dude, I'm just, I want to just re- drink my coffee read and check my, my emails and read my paper, which man. Is, which is your coffee shop? Um, I was going to, uh, there was a uh, uh, Pete's. There was a Pete's I was going to, but the, my favorite coffee shop uh, in the world is King's Road Cafe over there oh. on Beverly. Have you ever been? Right near, right near the, uh, right near the Beverly Center, right okay. near Cedar Sinai, that area. Okay. So if you go on Beverly Boulevard in Kings, yeah. it's called Kings Road Cafe, and the oh, coffee I've, yeah, I've seen it. is like this high octane. It's almost it's like a busy there all the time, right? It's busy all yeah. the time. But yeah. if you like coffee, if you like strong coffee, they have this co- just a regular cup of coffee. It's like it's just like a big cup of espresso almost. Ooh. Just make it strong and delicious. And I thought I was the only one that was addicted to it, but then I would go and literally every day I'd see <laughs> same the same people. people, and I was like everyone spending now, thousands of dollars now, a year where do you park over there uh on the side street on, on kings? kings you can okay. so you can park right, now, yeah now i'm obsessed go check I'll, it out i'll see you there i'll see you there Miles, thank you for doing this thanks for having great me great job thank you where should we find you what's uh, coming up i've got a new podcast it's called uh-huh. back to school with maz jobrani i bring on experts why you should I, come I, on I need to come on let's come on i where, bring where on experts do it, we do it at uh in burbank at all things comedy perfect Easy. you come we'll get you on and, and we talk about stuff and we just have fun with it you'd be perfect done so i've been bringing on people from like god experts to shoe experts shoe business like it's all it runs the gamut i love it so uh back to school with maz jobrani and i'm at maz jobrani on twitter instagram facebook all that stuff check Fabulous. me out congratulations man thanks buddy see you soon all right all right see you next time all conversations and information exchanged during participation of the Dr. Drew After Dark podcast or interaction on the drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine.